the scriptures say of itself that it is God-breathed. And may the Holy Spirit breathe through us today as we read his holy word together. From the book of Philippians, the second chapter, beginning in the third verse, the Apostle Paul says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious Father, we come thankfully into your presence. We thank you so much, Father, because we remember the great cost that allows us to come today. We look fully on the cross of Jesus Christ and knowing without him that we would be lost. How then can we be puffed up? How then can we do anything but be humble before you this moment? So we do pray, Father, that you would forgive us of any way that we have failed you, and that in this time together that your spirit may move freely in our hearts and our minds, and that we would be changed. We can do nothing without you. We humbly ask as your children to bless us with your presence, your power, and your wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Lynn Flynn, in his book, Jesus in the Image of God, describes an incident which he had in his ministry. There was a wealthy woman of the church who had generously volunteered to foot the bill for an ice cream party at a Sunday school picnic. And so you can imagine that the little children at this great picnic and their hands are all reaching out for the, for the ice cream. And at that very moment, the woman became very angry because no one had announced that she was the one that gave the money. And right there in front of everyone, she refused to pay. Ouch. Do you feel the ouch in that little two-sentence story? I think that it makes us cringe just a little bit looking from the outside in because we can sense that it is just so clearly wrong. It is so opposed to not only the teaching of Jesus, but the life of Jesus. And I think it makes us cringe just a little bit because I think most of us at some point in our life have struggled with seeking recognition as opposed to living the humble example of Jesus. Seeking recognition, I was thinking about it this week, and it almost seemed like it was a kind of a, a sneaky little computer virus that sneaks into our life. You know, it's nothing that any of us wants. It seems to pop up at the most inappropriate time, and, and then it just kind of ruins everything. Because if we could be honest with one another, I think we could all think of a time that kind of makes us cringe, where we've craved the spotlight, we've needed recognition, we wanted the credit, the gratitude, the acknowledgement, the appreciation, and we struggle. 
Well, at least we're in good company because the Philippians, they seem to struggle as well. Now, the Philippians were a wonderful young community of faith that Paul seemed to especially love. There are no harsh words anywhere in the letter. There are only words of encouragement and a few words of warning. Paul had heard perhaps of some disunity, the seeds that were being sown in the community, or maybe he'd just been around enough other communities to know that sometimes this kind of thing pops up. And so he spoke to the Philippians who he loved. And he writes this letter to his dear friends, and at the heart of this passage for me are the words in chapter 2, verse 5, that says, Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. What, what attitude is that? Have an attitude of humility in everything that you do. When I was in seminary, I was introduced to a, a wonderful writer named Henry Nouwen. Maybe some of you have heard of him. He's written about 39 books. He's written hundreds of articles. He's acknowledged as a, uh, an academic, a theological gift. He was so gifted, in fact, that he was invited to be a professor at Notre Dame and and then he was moved to a tenured position in, uh, and, uh, at Yale, and then he finally taught at Harvard. I mean, this is the ultimate, the academic uh, pinnacle. And, and yet, he resigned from Harvard to become a pastor at a community called Daybreak, where there was about 100 mentally and physically handicapped, those that had been absolutely cast out by society. Now and went from prestigious to practically invisible. And from a worldly perspective, we kind of ask ourselves, why did he do that? I don't think he set out to be humble. I don't think that's the answer. Why did he do that? We, we really don't have to wonder because his own writings make it very clear that he was miserable at Harvard. He had no sense of community. He had no intimacy of relationship. And so he left Harvard in order to find wholeness. I sat at my desk this week struggling with that. Because the first thought that I had was he left so that he could be humble. And then I thought kind of, you know, that, that sounds kind of right, but there's something that's missing. You don't just leave in order to be humble. He left because he was miserable. And humility was the path that he hoped was going to bring him hope and community and wholeness and joy. That was a big deal to me this week. Humility wasn't the goal. It was the pathway to joy. I hope you see that this morning. If you think about it, is there any way that you can have a full and loving relationship if you are arrogant, if you look down upon someone, if you always have to have your way, can you truly have a loving and generous relationship? Can you have community within the life of faith? Can you be fully loving God if we are arrogant before him? And of course the answer is no. Humility wasn't the goal. It was the pathway to the goal, which is joy and love and blessing and abundance. Paul says, have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. The message says it this way, agree with each other. 
Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Doesn't that sound good? Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. And those outside these doors today would ask, why in the world would we do that? That's not the way of the world. Consider our culture. Consider all the chest-beating athletes after a touchdown or a home run or a three-point. Listen, I'm all for celebration, but when it gets to the point where it's all about me and beating on my chest, there's something wrong. Consider our schools that emphasize pride in self and trophies for everyone. Consider all of the award ceremonies, so, so many of them for the rich and already famous. The attitude outside those doors is toot your own horn because no one else will. But Paul, inspired by the Spirit, tells you and I today that we are to be completely, utterly countercultural. That you and I are to be different. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Why? Because it is the way of peace and wholeness, and joy, and satisfaction before God, and within his community, the church. Now, now some of us have never heard of Henry Nouwen before today, but all of us have heard of President Jimmy Carter. Now, now you may not have appreciated him as a president, and I honestly don't know if he was a good president or not, but I think all of us would agree that we respect the work he did after the presidency. Amen? Amen. What do most of our former presidents do? They write a book, they hit the lecture circuit, they play golf. After all, they did their service, now it's time to reap the rest and the reward, but not President Carter. President Carter became a servant by building homes with Habitat for Humanity. He still does, as far as I know. Not just a figurehead, but a construction worker with his lovely wife. And when he isn't building homes, he's teaching Sunday school back in his home church in Georgia. Why would he do that? He answers himself. He says, my faith demands that I cannot do, that I do whatever I can, wherever I am, whenever I can, as long as I can, with whatever I have to try and make a difference. Why? Why would someone who's at the very pinnacle get down on hands and knees to build a home. My guess is because he took the words of Jesus and Paul to heart, have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. And we are, of course, thankful for these examples, although none compare to the example of Lord Jesus. These are nothing compared to the resplendent Son of God who surrendered His glory. He surrendered the immediacy of relationship that He had with His heavenly Father, the one that He had had even before the beginning of time, so that He might put on flesh and become a man. Jesus, our example, condescended to us. I don't particularly like the word condescended, you know, because when I think of the word condescended, it's usually between men, and, and you know what? It always seems just a little bit phony. But Jesus truly condescended from the throne of God to the grave of man. After being born poor and laid in a feeding trough wrapped in rags, 
living in obscurity, and then being made sport of, being spat on, betrayed, rejected by an angry mom who he came to love and, and save, stripped of his clothes, burdened under a cross, crucified, naked between criminals. Death, the final humiliation as they took Jesus' broken body off the cross and laid it in a borrowed tomb. And we remember that when we look into the face of Jesus, we're looking into the face of God. So what exactly do I have to be puffed up about? What attention should I seek? What am I owed? How can we do anything else but humbly do the same? Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. How do we do that? I think we've already identified a, a few ways we follow the practice of Jesus to be like him. Secondly, we understand that humility isn't the objective. Humility is the, the key to living and loving God and loving in a community of faith. Third, we have this attitude because we have looked fully on the passion of our Savior and nothing will poke up a puffed-up ego more effectively than meditating on what Jesus gave up for love. Let me offer just a few other ways, concrete things that we can do to have this attitude in ourselves. How about this? Don't count the cost. Jesus said, count the cost. Before you enter into this relationship, count the cost. But, but I'm thinking that after we've entered that relationship, don't count the cost of what you do. Isaiah 64, 6 says, for all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. Likewise, the Apostle Paul seems to paraphrase these words in Romans and in 1 Corinthians. And Now, I think it's very important for us to say this morning that the Scripture is not saying that your deeds are worthless. Your work, your contributions to this church, your efforts in support of the kingdom of God, I believe they are precious to our Heavenly Father, that they are His expectation for us. For example, some of you saw a post that I put on Facebook this week and how proud I was of you. I, in fact, I'm going to list off a few things this morning. And I want you to tell me, are you, are you ready? Sit up there if you've slid off a little bit, if you've attempted to fall asleep because this is your part to participate. I want you to tell me this morning if these things I'm going to list off, if they're worthless or if they're valuable. In one week, I looked around the church and I saw about 150 kits that you had donated to those that were suffering from the disaster of the hurricanes. And that was after the church contributed just just about $5,000 to help those that were hurting. So you, you tell me, just shout out, worthless or valuable? Valuable, amen, absolutely. The, the same week I received pictures from a church in Kenya. And thank God for your work because you sent 30 Bibles to the other side of the planet to a little church, these Bibles that were printed in Swahili. Before these Bibles arrived in this church, there were... 130 members of that church, and they had three Bibles to share in that whole community of faith. So you tell me, sharing the Word of God around the world, worthless or valuable? 
valuable. The same week, there were men of the church that helped clear a yard of uh, fallen trees from one of our women that needed a, a hand. And then they went on to help another woman that needed some construction. They continue to meet ministry needs for widows of the church. And I think that ministry is even going to grow. It's going to be spectacular. So you, you tell me, worthless or valuable? The same week, this just might be my favorite one. Rebecca Angel Walter sent two videos of little Hudson. And in the videos, oh, I wish I could have printed or got him to run right. But there's little Hudson, and he's quoting his Awana scripture verse, and he's singing a Christian song that he learned with joy, and he was singing with great enthusiasm. That's along with the 26 other kids that were here last Wednesday night learning about our Heavenly Father, about their Savior. You tell me, worthless or valuable? Valuable. Life-altering valuable. Eternity-affecting valuable. Wonderful work. But listen now, we humbly lay all of our works beside the work of Jesus, and doesn't it put things into perspective? Remember the words of Jesus? Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them, otherwise you can have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. We practice humility that will lead to joy and love and peace. We don't do it by counting the costs. We do it because we're just the recipients of so much good that God has poured out on us. We do it just because we're thankful that we can give out of the great abundance that God has blessed each of us with. Amen? Which leads me to the next handhold of faith. Keep a secret just between you and Jesus. The rest of the Matthew passage is this, but when you give to the board, do not let your left hand know what your right is doing so that your giving will be in secret and your father who, is, who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When Sandy and I were first met, we were dating and we lived in Germany and I, I realized very quickly that Sandy had no idea what winter was. She was raised in Alabama and, and I've been to Alabama and they do not have winter in Alabama. And so, and so uh, what I, we both discovered very quickly was in Germany, they have winter. And so uh, I was watching her uh, kind of walk around in these little coats that she would brought from Alabama, and she was just always shaking. And, uh, and so I, I determined that, oh, I got a raise. I was a second lieutenant, got a raise to first lieutenant. It was like $80 a month. Woo! And so, and so what I decided was I was going to take that first raise, and I was going to buy her a proper winter coat. And I was so excited about that day, and, and I just thought, you know, I don't, I don't want anybody else to know about this. I just want this to be a special thing 
because I loved her, you know? I just loved her, and I was just enamored with her. And you know what? I just wanted to make her happy. I just wanted to bless her. I didn't want anybody else to know about it. I didn't want anything else in return. All I wanted to do was I just loved her, and I just wanted to give her something and be a blessing to her. Now, I've just completely shot that, telling you all about it today. But I do that in order to say, could we not make that the principle in our relationship with Lord Jesus? Could we just not say, let this be our secret, Lord, because I just want to please you. I don't want anyone else to know about it. I, this is a small gift. I know it doesn't compare to what you have given, Lord Jesus, but it's what I have, and I want to share it with you. I want to bring joy to your heart. I don't expect anything in return. How many times do we pray just praising him? Or do we just get right down to what we need? Lord, give me this and give me that. We're out the door without even thinking about it. May our works, our prayers, our service just be a secret between us and Lord Jesus just because we want to be a blessing to his heart. Finally, be an encourager. Be an encourager, but deflect all praise upward. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. Be an encourager to others, but deflect praise upwards. I'm going to read a passage, one of my favorite from the book of Revelation. It's Revelation 5, and I want you to hear it today. I want you to hear it not just with your ears, but with your heart. I want you to see this heavenly, heavenly scene in your mind and just... Know that this day will come when Lord Jesus will receive everything that he deserves. Revelation 5.11 says, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them, I heard them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. And this will happen. Chuck Swindoll is is my favorite preacher. I could listen to him all day long, I promise you. I was blessed a few years ago to be able to meet him. I went to a pastor's prayer breakfast where he was the speaker. He's 82 years old and still preaches an absolutely wonderful sermon, that rich, powerful voice, that great laugh, theologically profound. That, that morning in that rich, wonderful voice, he said words that I'll never forget. He said this, only God is awesome. He said, we, we say everything's awesome all around us. We say that pizza we had today, it was awesome. He said that football game was awesome. Chuck Swindoll leaned into the microphone and he said, quit it. Because only God is awesome. So be an encourager. 
Encourage people when they use their gifts and you can see God more clearly through them. Encourage the choir when they sing these wonderful anthems of praise. Encourage the ushers. They don't get any praise at all. Encourage the sound guys because after all, when anything goes wrong, it's always their fault. When the sermon's not good, it doesn't have to do with the volume, it's the sound guy's fault. So encourage them because 99% of the time everything goes right. Be an encourager is the will of God. But when you receive encouragement, when you receive praise, deflect it right upwards. Be truly thankful. But give God glory because he is the only one that is awesome. He is the creator and giver of every good gift. Be humble and thankful and receive the encouragement but then give glory to God in all things. Paul says these words to us today and may the Spirit breathe through them. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And as you practice humility, may you find peace and wholeness and joy and love. And may the joy of the Lord shine down upon you. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, it seems to me that words are just not enough. When we think about who you are, what you gave up, how you suffered for my sake, for our sake, How wonderful it is to come into the church, to sing great anthems, to be lifted in our spirit. But songs are not enough. Words are not enough. Help us, Lord, because we struggle. We struggle with desiring the limelight. We struggle we get our feelings hurt when we don't receive recognition. Words are not enough. Songs are not enough. Help us, Lord, to be humble. By the example that you gave us. We do it not simply for one another. But we do this for you. In Jesus' name, amen.